You are indeed listening to listener-sponsored radio, 94.1 KPFA and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. Good afternoon. It's just a few seconds after 3 o'clock, and you are tuned here to your listener-sponsored radio. Cover to Cover comes to you every week, and I'm welcoming you to it. I'm Amelia Gonzalez. Mind Over Media with Jennifer Stone will be back in a few weeks. Today, we're bringing you, uh, we're actually bringing you, as you know, our first day of our winter fun drive. We're hoping that we could continue to count on your dedicated support for the arts and the alternative programming that we bring you on a daily basis, 24-7. And for the next half hour, we're presenting you a talk given by Alice Walker, where she spoke about her latest book, We Are the Ones We Have Been Waiting For, Inner Light in a Time of Darkness. Alice Walker has been writing for close to four decades, starting with her first book of poetry in 1968 and her first novel just after her daughter's birth in 1970. Alice Walker was the eighth child of Georgia sharecroppers. She attended Spelman College and Sarah Lawrence on scholarships, graduating in 1965. She also published a biography of the poet Langston Hughes and worked to recover and publicize the nearly lost works of writer Zora Neale Hurston. When The Color Purple came out in 1982, Alice became known to an even wider audience. Her Pulitzer Prize and the movie by Steven Spielberg brought both fame and controversy. In 1989 and 1992, in two books, The Temple of My Familiar and Possessing the Secret of Joy, Alice took on the issue of female circumcision in Africa, which brought further controversy. Her works are known for their portrayals of the African-American woman's life. She continues not only to write, but to be active in environmental and economic justice issues, and of course, in, as she would say, womanist causes. We'll be hearing her in a moment where she spoke at the Greens Festival that took place late last year. In the following conversation, she reminds us of what our next steps need to be and also shares excerpts from her latest book, We Are the Ones We Have Been Waiting For. Stay with us as we present Alice Walker. Thank you very much. Now, I have been ill over the last three years, and I'm fine now, but I was thinking about wanting to talk to you in a space that was both smaller than last time I was here and more quiet because I want to read to you as well as talk to you. I want to read to you from this book because it's a book to be used during this time. It's a book that's very political, but at the same time, it has the grounding and the the requirement of sitting and pondering and being in a meditative state before we take another step when we start something that feels really up I mean for instance the Democrats just won the house and they just won the Senate and we're very happy about that but let me remind you that this is a pre-beginning to where we have to go we are not there it's big in a way because we were just suffering so deeply thinking that we had slipped into a dictatorship That's what we feared. But my counsel now is to remember that we have to take a pause. In fact, when I had just finished The Color Purple many, many years ago, people were always giving me presents. And one of them was the I Ching. And she handed me the I Ching in its beautiful yellow binding. 
And the very first thing it opened to was completion. And this hexagram is all about, in a way, where we are right now. We feel like we have put forth all of this energy and we have all of this effort and we have and we think that we are there. We have there's a sense of completion and we deserve it and it feels good and it's right. But the tendency in our culture is that when we reach this point, we either forget about working anymore or we speed ahead. And because we are drinking so much coffee, it tends to be now a speedy going aheadness rather than a moment of true reflection. And I would say that this is the time, this is the time right now to sit down and go as deeply into yourself as you possibly can and really meditate on what kind of world you want and what kind of country you want and what kind of leadership you can endure and what kind of people in power you can actually feel joyful about. This is the time. This is the time to do that. Don't feel you have to immediately do anything. You really don't. It's an illusion. Right now, what you need to do is go to the ocean, go to the redwoods, anywhere on the earth. Go there and really deeply understand what it is you want, what it is you want your children to have. Because if we rush, we are bound to make huge mistakes, huge mistakes. And we see that perfectly clearly from what happened before, after 9-11. Now, when 9-11 happened, there are many people in this room, including me, who immediately thought, well, this is clearly an inside job in some way. We all thought that. Now, they may never tell us exactly what happened, and we may never know. But we sat there as the people who were in leadership immediately rushed into action. And the action that they rushed into and the action that was supported by so many Americans has really meant that you and I, in this room, all of us, are really accessory to murder. Now, do we want that? Is that what we wanted? We are accessories to the children who've been bombed, the women who've been raped, the people who've been murdered, the, the country that has been trashed. That's us. And I know that you all know this. I mean, this is the Bay Area. To many people, thinking like this is new because they have been taught, you know, from the Bible especially, that you must not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. Well, the left hand has been paying taxes and the right hand has been giving that money to the military. And many Americans have just conveniently ignored that fact. That if you give your money to these people who use it to buy cluster bombs. Now, who makes cluster bombs? We should find out. We should know that. Everybody in this room should make it our affair. We should know all of that. We should know all of the facts about the people who do these things to the rest of the world. Because we cannot any longer pretend to be innocent. We're not innocent. Now, the other point I wanted to talk a little bit about is how, and again, I'm sure that most of you really realize this already, but I come from Georgia, and I grew up under fascism. And this is where, you know, we are very afraid in the rest of America of ending up. Well, I know what that's like. And any black person from the South can tell you that any democracy that a black person in this country has had, he or she has brought in with him or her. 
We've made the democracy that we have enjoyed. We've had to make it with our lives. So we have to think about how far we can go with capitalism as a system. And I think not very far. I think that the time of capitalism is completely over. And I was so happy when Bernie Sanders of Vermont got in there as the first congressman who is a socialist. This is the good news. And the good news of this is that at last we will have someone visible who is a socialist, who is talking about socialism in a way so that people can actually understand it. And they'll look at him, they'll see he doesn't have 12 heads. And they might be able to learn what we have all been saying about um, the fact that people deserve health care. We deserve free health care. We deserve free education. I mean, what is this madness that we don't? How can anyone think that you can have a strong country when you deliberately set out to weaken half of it? I mean, that is just insane. Poor people in a democracy like this will never have democracy. You know why? They cannot afford to buy their own candidates. They are poor people. And so if poor people don't really have access to leadership in the country, how can you call that a democracy? You cannot. So I think we need to really focus on where we can go from here and whether we really want to and intend to make a real difference in what this country offers to all of the people in it. I mean, I am not happy that Native American people are suffering just as much now as they were suffering, you know, a hundred years ago. This is just not bearable. I am not happy that we have sat by and watched the drug people, you know, led by the CIA actually, invade our communities and destroy, destroy our young people and our, our, our elders. I mean, we've had elders trying to sleep in bathtubs because the people were shooting guns into the house over drugs. This is just not acceptable. And it is also not acceptable that some of us live so separately from this reality that we can pretend we don't know what's happening. This is your country. When I was in my early 20s, there was this consensus that a black person could not really live in Mississippi, that it was so scary, that it was so barbaric, that it was so racist, that they were hanging up people and, and shooting people to such an extent that you just dare not go there. Well, I immediately felt, and I still feel, that there should be no place in your country where you are afraid to go. Otherwise, how can you say it's your country? If you're just going to feel safe in San Francisco and Marin, let me tell you, these are small areas. And the rest of the country is really very large. And it is gaining. So we have not won to the extent that we need to win to actually rest. I'm just talking about a pause. A pause in which we, we think about all of these issues. You know, I, I sometimes work in Oakland just so I can see the situation of the schools. And they're abominable. And how are you going to feel happy? How are any of us going to be happy if the children in Oakland don't have microscopes, let's say, and the children in Marin have more than they need? I mean, what is that? Is that democracy? Is that how you think of democracy? Is that how anyone thinks of democracy? If they do, that is not right. 
There is such a thing in life as what is right. So I went many years ago to live in Mississippi because it was insulting to me that anyone would think that I was an American and I couldn't live in, if, if the America was a, were a body, they were saying you can live in the shoulders and you can live in the neck and you can live in the head, but you cannot live in the foot. Because it is one thing. So I wanted to see if I could live in the foot of America, in Mississippi. And I have survived to tell the tale, and I think it's a good thing to understand that we have to go to these places that frighten us. Not only in the landscape either, but in the psyche. And in the psyche, many of us have a lot of fear. A lot of our fear of each other. A lot of fear that we are so fundamentally different that we'll never understand each other. But guess what? They have discovered that we are about 99 and 9% the same. So the levels of consciousness that we have to strive to attain are, are many, many, many. And we must not give up in speediness. We must sit with everything that is coming into us, all of the information, all of our own stuff, some of it buried very deep. We must sit with it all. So I'm going to try now to read the first section of this book. So, it is the worst of times, it is the best of times. Try as I might, I cannot find a more appropriate opening for this volume. It helps tremendously that these words have been spoken before and thanks to Charles Dickens, written at the beginning of A Tale of Two Cities. I hope all of you have read that novel. It's a wonderful novel. Perhaps they have been spoken, written, thought an endless number of times throughout human history. It is the worst of times because it feels as though the very earth is being stolen from us. The land and air poison and all of it by us. The water polluted, the animals disappeared, humans degraded and misguided, war is everywhere. It is the best of times because we have entered a period, if we can bring ourselves to pay attention, of great clarity as to cause and effect. A blessing when we consider how much suffering human beings have endured in previous millennia without a clue to the cause. Gods and goddesses were no doubt created to fill this gap. Because we can now see into every crevice of the globe and because we are free to explore previously unexplored crevices in our own hearts and minds, it is inevitable that everything we have needed to comprehend in order to survive, everything we have needed to understand in the most basic of ways, will be illuminated now. We have only to open our eyes and awaken to our predicament. We see that we are, alas, a huge part of our problem. However, we live in a time of global enlightenment. This alone should make us shout for joy. It is as if ancient graves hidden deep in the shadows of the psyche and the earth are breaking open of their own accord unwilling to be silent any longer, incapable of silence. No leader or people of any country will be safe from these upheavals that lead to exposure, no matter how much the news is managed 
or how long people's grievances have been kept quiet. Human beings may well be unable to break free of the dictatorship of greed that spreads like a miasma over the world, but no longer will we be an inarticulate and ignorant humanity, confused by our enslavement to superior cruelty and weaponry. We will know at least a bit of the truth about what is going on, and that will set us free. Perhaps not free in the old way of thinking about freedom, as literal escape from enslavement in its various forms, but free in our understanding that our domination is not a comment on our worth. It is an awesome era in which to live. It was the poet June Jordan who wrote, We are the ones we have been waiting for. Sweet Honey and the Rock turned those words into a song. Hearing this song, I have witnessed thousands of people rise to their feet in joyful recognition and affirmation. We are the ones we've been waiting for because we are able to see what is happening with a much greater awareness than our parents, our grandparents, our ancestors could see. This does not mean we believe, having seen the greater truth of how all oppression is connected, how pervasive and unrelenting, that we can fix things. But some of us are not content to have a gap in opportunity and income that drives a wedge between rich and poor, causing the rich to become ever more callous and complacent and the poor to become ever more wretched and humiliated. Not willing to ignore starving and brutalized children, not willing to let women be stoned or mutilated without protest, not willing to stand quietly by as farmers are destroyed by people who have never farmed and plants are engineered to self-destruct. Not willing to disappear into our flower gardens, Mercedes Benzes, or Sylvan lawns. We have wanted all our lives to know that Earth, who has somehow obtained human beings as her custodians, was also capable of creating humans who could minister to her needs and the needs of her creation. We are the ones. June Jordan, who died of cancer in 2002, was a brilliant, fierce, radical, and frequently furious poet. We were friends for 30 years. Not once in that time did she step back from what was transpire, transpiring politically and morally in the world. She spoke up and led her students, whom she adored, to do the same. We were not friends who saw each other often, not the kind of friends who discussed unpublished work. In fact, we sometimes disagreed profoundly with each other. We were the kind of friends instead who understood that we were forever on the same side, the side of the poor, the economically, spiritually, and politically oppressed, the wretched of the earth, and on the side, too, of the revolutionaries, teachers, and spiritual leaders who seek transformation of the world. That any argument arising between us would be silenced as we turned our combined energy to scrutinize an oncoming foe. I took great comfort in this reality. It seems a model of what can help us rebalance the world. Friendship with others, populations, peoples, countries, that is, in a sense, impersonal.
Many people are already working on this model. They are the ones who go to places like Afghanistan and Iraq and place their bodies between the bombs of the United States and the infrastructure of the local water supply. They are the ones who collect food and medicine for those deprived, the ones who monitor the wars and report news that would not otherwise be heard. They are the ones who feel no joy at another's defeat and no satisfaction at another's pain. In fact, the happiness that imbues this kind of friendship, whether for an individual or a country, or an act, is like an inner light, a compass we might steer by as we set out across the lengthening darkness. It comes from the simple belief and understanding that what one is feeling and doing is right. That it is right to Alice Walker, reading from her latest book, We Are the Ones We've Been Waiting For. And you heard her speaking at the Green Festival that took place a couple of uh, months ago in November here in San Francisco. And I'm here, I'm Amelia Gonzalez, I'm the the Director of Arts and Culture here at KPFA. And we are asking for you to pledge your support for KPFA. We come to you three times a year, sometimes four, and ask you to um, to pledge your support for KPFA and keep us alive here. We've been here for over 50-some years. Whoa, 1949, to be precise. And I'm going to have to do math. What is that? Fif- almost 58 years. And we want to continue to be bringing you the voices such as Alice Walker here on KPFA. And the only way that we could do that is coming to you and asking you to pledge your financial support. And you can do that. We are able to offer you... In the next eight minutes, we are able to offer you this uh, book, We Are the Ones We've Been Waiting For, by Alice Walker. Or you could also get the CD of her speech, which unfortunately, as you saw, I had to cut into it. But I had to uh, come to you and ask for your support here. But uh, you get the whole CD, which is an hour of her uh, speech that, as you know, I had to abbreviate. But also it gives you the questions and answer period of that that uh, talk that she gave at the Green Festival. Yours for the asking if you call now with your $60 pledge. $60 is $5 a month if you do our sustainer program, which is our monthly, once a month program. pledge and again you could do that either we could do it from your credit card or your checking account however you would like it it's very painful and you could keep us alive here being a sustainer for us also you could get the book for $90 that is $7.50 easy for uh, you to do again if you do the sustainer program or you could get both for a $140 pledge your annual fee and that could be less than $12 a month if you do our sustainer monthly sustainer program we need to keep kpfa alive we need to be aware of what is going on and as alice walker reminds us pause don't stop but do pause and not rush into the next thing and be thoughtful about what our next steps are going to be a bit of truth 
is what will set us free is what she reminds us of as well. And I'd like to think that KPFA does its part to bring you a bit of truth, be it in our public affairs programming, be it in our music programming when we bring you music or musicians uh, that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. You're not going to hear them in the commercial uh, stations because they're not even bringing you local DJs. They're actually programming somewhere else in you know some some other town and they bring it to you thinking that you're not going to tell the difference well here at kpfa we hope that you can tell the difference alice walker also reminds us that no one is going to fix the world for us we're going to have to do that and we're going to have to do that now by keeping kpfa alive won't you do your part we have one person on the line and i also was handed a match so i'm a little nervous because i've only got four minutes and i have to do four hundred dollars anonymous donors in santa clara and walnut creek have pledged their joined their dollars here and have pledged their support of four hundred dollars and we need you to go to the phone to pledge your support and match this this is a perfect way to have your $60 become $120 to double your dollar for KPFA for free speech, for listener sponsored for making sure that we stay beholden to you, to our listeners, not beholden to any corporation underwriting any of the programming that we're bringing here. No, that's not what we want. What we want is to continue to be beholden to you KPFA listeners 1-800-439-5732-848- 5732 is a number to call to pledge your support for KPFA. Won't you please go to the phone? We have no one on the line right now. I like to think that you're walking over to the phone and pledging your support and hoping that you could get Alice Walker speaking at the Green Festival uh, that took place in November for a $60 pledge or that you could get the book, We Are the Ones We've Been Waiting For, which is uh, Inner Light in a Time of Darkness. Wonderful, hard copy book that you could get for the asking 1-800-439-5732-848-5732 we also only have a few volunteers um, here at the station if you are wondering what to do in this beautiful afternoon it might be uh, worth a little walk and go to 1929 Martin Luther King Jr. Way and please come here and help us out and uh, volunteer for a couple of hours it's fun we've got some food and let me remind you that um, the I want to thank the food donors Cheeseboard Collective Catered Productions Pie in the Sky Peaberry's Coffee and Tea Adina for Life Numi Organic Teas and Acme Bread and Trader Joe's have all contributed to feeding our volunteers. So if you're hungry and want to spend a couple of hours, feel free to come down to 1929 Martin Luther King Jr. Way, right between University and Berkeley Way. Thank you so much for those callers. We need need more callers to go. I'm in the middle of the match here. $400 is what the uh, folks from Santa Clara and Walnut Creek have come up with, and we need to make that. We have a large goal. This is our first day, and I hope that you appreciated the words of Alice Walker. Alice Walker, who has again been writing for over 40 years, already, um, close to 40 years. Man, I don't want to give her more years than, than what, what are, are due to her, but uh, definitely writing a lot and really challenging ways of thinking. You hear her going back to the South. You hear about going and doing work in Oakland. You hear about her challenging us and asking us to find out 
who is actually manufacturing some of the 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 weaponry that we take for granted. Let the right hand know what the left hand is doing, and let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. She's telling us to pay attention. Won't you support that way of thinking by going to the phone and keeping free speech alive? One eight hundred four three nine five seven three two eight four eight. Five seven three two. In this book, she I'll, uh, she talks about uh, uh, Fidel being a very believing that Fidel Castro is a truly religious man because he speaks out for the rights of the poor. You know, this is what she's talking about. She contrasts it with how the Catholic Church uh, really was trying to hide what was going on with all the abuse of children for so long. That's where else are you going to hear that but here at KPFA? 1-800-439-5732-848-5732. And again, you could get the book for a $90 pledge, or you could get the CD of her speaking that's an hour long and also includes the question and answer period for $60. That's $5 a month if you become a sustainer. $90 is $7.50, not even what you pay for a movie theater. Go to the phone now. One eight hundred four three nine five seven three two eight four eight five seven three two. Thank you so much. We have five people on the line. Won't you join the five people that are on the phone right now, stepping up and saying, "Right, we are going to be paying attention. We are going to make sure that we don't leave it for anybody else to fix the world. That we ourselves are going to fix the world and really envision what it is that we want." That's what Alice Walker's words are talking about. Take a moment. Talk about what kind of leadership we're willing to tolerate. Talk about what world we want to see, what neighborhood, what community we want to see, and what kind of future we want for our children. This is all what she's talking about, a very holistic approach to movement, to community, to strategizing. one 800 439 We have six